This is Chad Harrison, and you're listening to Hope Alive, applying God's word to your daily life. Hi, this is Chad Harrison, and I am the teaching pastor of Lake Community Church and have been serving as a pastor for 25 years. I'm also a practicing attorney. This podcast is designed to help you study God's word and find God's will for your life. I pray in the name of Jesus right now that God would open up his word to you and allow you to see him and to know him and to know his will, that you might glorify him and that you might walk in faith and power each and every day, especially today in Jesus name. Good morning. Welcome to Lake Community Church's morning Bible study. We are in Exodus chapter nine and we're going through the plagues. And obviously we've reached a critical point. We've reached the seventh plague. Remember the number seven is the number of completion. And in this plague, God is going to deal with not only Pharaoh, but he's going to deal with his people. He's going to just go and talk directly to not only Pharaoh, but he's going to talk to the world. And you're going to see an element of grace, understanding that God does have care and concern for the world. Obviously, John 3.16 says that God, for God so loved the world. And you're going to see that love, but you're also going to see that firm hand and that desire to speak to the hearts of people where they're at. And where they're at is in sin, where they're at is in separation from God where they're at in darkness. And he, when he calls them out, when he speaks in this, you're going to see a lot of elements of God's nature and character, not toward his people. Remember that it is toward the world. And, and obviously it is important that we take a moment and recognize that. The plague that is about to befall the people is a very personal plague. God is beginning to move the plagues away from being just these abstract acts of nature these calamities that are physical, weird things, and that's the only way for me to describe it. It's just a hodgepodge, and although God's not hodgepodge, it's just a hodgepodge of, of things that you go, ooh. And really, that's that's what it is, flies and gnats and frogs and blood. and it's. I feel like I'm on that old show called Fear Factor where they'd have to eat something or do something crazy or swim through something. The first plagues are icky. They're nasty. They're very much nuisances. But then when we move in and your livestock is all killed, it begins to get very personal. And in all actuality, that's how God deals with us anyway. He first gives us an idea that he exists. He reveals himself in nature. That's what Romans chapter 1 says, that all that might be known about him is clearly seen in that which he created. And he reveals himself to us in nature, and then he begins to get more and more personal. He begins to just get down and dig down in there and start speaking to the hearts of people in a very personal way. And his judgments and the way sin brings about death and lifelessness and darkness in our lives begins to be very personal. And you know that as God began to call you, you can see the light, but you're in the darkness and you want you want the light because the darkness becomes real to you. It becomes a real and evident thing. Life begins to, you, you begin to look around and go, I, I, there's got to be something better than this. And there is. And it's God's plan for your life. It's God's sovereign will. It's God at work 
in the world around us. And so it says in verse 13, then the Lord said to Moses, rise early in the morning and stand before Pharaoh and say to him, thus saith the Lord, the God of Hebrews, let my people go that they may serve me. For at that time, I will send all my plagues uh, to your very heart. Notice, for at this time, I'm going to send all my plagues to your very heart. Notice, he's, he says, I'm about to get personal with this. This is going to go to the very soul. No longer is it going to be the icky physical stuff. We're about sure even the boils on the skin is bad. Uh, that was terrible, but it's not personal. We're about to deal with some personal things. We're, it's about to get real here. And when he says it's about to get to your heart, what he's talking about, there's going to be some real death that goes on here. Nothing before this caused the people of Egypt to die. God's about to start taking some lives here. And remember, remember the payment for sin is blood. And Jesus paid for our sins with his blood, with his life. And life in the blood is the life. That's what scripture teaches us. And understanding that there is a cost to sin, and that's death. For the wages of sin is death. Understanding that, then when we're dealing with Egypt being sinful, Egypt being rebellious, Egypt being unwilling to follow God's will, the cost there is going to be death. It is. It's, it's, it's just the way it is in life. It's the way, it's the way God made the world to be. And so when he says, I'm going to take it to your very heart, what he's talking about is we're going to deal with life and death issues. We're going to deal with the real thing. And he says, on your servants and on your people, that you may know that there's none like me in all the earth. Remember, God does these things so that man can is not what is without excuse, that he understands and he knows that there's life and death and that and that even though a man is the unique creature in the universe who's cognizant of his life, who has an understanding that he actually is here, every other creature may live life, but they don't have a understanding that they are alive. And that's important. And verse 15 says, now, if I had stretched out my hand and struck you and your people with pestilence, then you've been cut off from the earth. What he's saying is I could have killed you all. I could have delivered my people out of Egypt by killing all of you. I could have I could have made that deliverance happen in a very quick and precise way. But there's a reason why God didn't just go in and totally destroy the Egyptians, because Egypt's a picture of the world. And God so loved the world. He didn't go in there and totally destroy them. And he's telling them this in this passage. He said, I could have stretched out my hand and struck you and your people with pestilence. Then you would have been cut off from the earth. But indeed, for this purpose, I've raised you up. Notice, he said, I've raised you up to either be, and I've been saying this, to either be a, a trophy of my grace or a trophy of my holiness. And if you're a trophy of God's grace, then you're going you're gonna to prove that God is able to overcome sin and darkness and give life to those who are perishing. If you're a trophy of his holiness, then you're going you're gonna to prove that God is holy and that you're sinful and that his judgments are right and true. He said, I raised you up for this purpose, that I may show my power in you. Now, notice that's not saying that's not saying that he raised them up for the purpose of destroying them. He raised them up that his power might be made known to the earth in them. This story is a story where God says, I raised you up so that you would know 
so the whole earth would know that I am powerful. I have the power of life, and I have the power of death. I have the power of grace, and I have the power of judgment. And he's telling Egypt this. He's speaking this to Egypt. God's, this is God's message in the midst of these plagues to the Egyptians. He said, I could have killed all of you with pestilence. I could have sent a plague that took, wiped all of you out, and I didn't do it. He said, but I've raised you up for this purpose. And that purpose is to reveal my power. And notice what he says, and that my name may be declared in all the earth. Notice, I am going to glorify me. I'm going to make sure that all the earth knows that I am God. And so as yet, you notice the issue is as yet you exalt yourself against my people in that you will not let them go. You're exalting yourself above me and above my people. And if you're going to do that, then I'm going to cut you off and prove that I'm holy and right and I'm above all things. He says in verse 18, Behold, tomorrow about this time I will cause very heavy hail to rain down. Notice he said I'm, it's about to be a hailstorm. And by the way, in Egypt, that's not a common thing. It's not common to have hail. Now, in that part of the world, especially when you deal with the seas that are around there, you got the Mediterranean, you got the Red Sea, you've got you've got the desert to the west, you've got a lot of heat and a lot of moisture that is rolling and rumbling. So the possibility for hail is definitely there, but the truth is that generally speaking, Egypt is watered by the Nile and that water comes from far south in Africa. Actually, there's two or three tributaries. There's the Blue Nile, there's the Nile. There's several tributaries that cause the Nile River to be as large as it is. He says, I'm going to bring hail down on you. They would have known what hail was, but they would not have experienced it at the level that they're going to experience it here. And notice, he says, behold, tomorrow I'm about to cause a heavy hail to rain down, such as not been in Egypt since the founding until now. What he's saying is heavy hail or large hail or big hail. That's what he's saying. Not We're not talking about pea-sized hail. We're not talking about quarter-sized hail. We're not even talking about golf ball-sized hail. We're talking about baseball and softball and volleyball-sized hail that to totally destroys, hail that kills. And that's what it's going to be. It's going to be hail that destroys that which is in the field. It's going to be hail that kills anything that's left out in the field. And there is a deadly hail. There, there We have recorded in our in, in world history hail that size that if you were in the field or you were out and experiencing that, be very easy for it to hit you in the right spot in the head or somewhere in the body and kill you. And this is what he's saying. That's what's going to happen. That he says, he, now notice, he gives them this warning, and then he follows it up with what? He follows it up with a suggestion of how to avoid it, how to not have to experience it. And anytime God pronounces judgment, even against the worst, he always gives an opportunity to turn, and to not have to experience that. That's the whole story of Jonah. Jonah didn't want to go to Nineveh. Why didn't he want to go to Nineveh? Because they were evil. And because they were uh, they were terrible people. They, they had ways of killing. They were bloodthirsty. And he could not stand the Assyrians. He didn't want to have anything to do with them. And uh, notice that God sent Jonah to Nineveh for what reason? So that he could pronounce judgment and give them an opportunity for repentance judgment 
pronounced for the purpose of repentance, if possible, or if the people will receive it. He said, he says, therefore, send now and gather your livestock. Notice everything that's left, anything out there, it's not just the, uh, the herd animals, but any animal that you might have, any, anything that is available, go get whatever you've got left out there and all that you have in the field. No, notice what he's saying is remove every source of life that's out in the open. Get it all out. Don't leave anything out in the open that's alive. Don't leave anything out in the open that any animal that's alive. And for the hail shall come down on every man and every animal which is found in the field and is not brought home, and they shall die. What he's saying is I'm about to bring a hail of fire, uh, a hail that is large, that is destructive. And when that hail falls, anything in the field, any animal, any human in the field is going to die. Notice that's a, that is a, you got the fire, you got the Holy Spirit, you've got a judgment falling and they just, it's right there for the taking. And he said, he, so understand that God's saying, this is a ultimate judgment. This is going to be a judgment that takes all the life out in the open. He says, he who, fe now notice in verse 20 and 21, he who feared the word of the Lord among the servants of Pharaoh made his servants and his livestock flee to the houses. So there were people that were listening. There were people in the world, there were Egyptians that were hearing God and heeding him. And that's important. They heard God's word, they believed it, and they acted upon it. That's the steps of, that's the steps of faith. That's the steps that reveal you've listened to the Holy Spirit and you have acted in faith. These are actually actions of faith that we see that are going on here. He says, they heard the word of the Lord. Obviously, they believed it. Just because I hear something don't mean I believe it. They believed it. And how do we know they believed it? Because they acted upon it. They heard it, believed it, acted upon it. Those, that's the path of faith. That is, they heard God and they believed him. It says, but he who did not regard the word of the Lord left his servants and his livestock in the field. So there's still people out there after the boils, after the frogs, after the flies, after the blood, they're not listening to God. And you go, I don't understand why they wouldn't, why wouldn't everybody just get their stuff out of the field? I'm pulling a Dean Doudna today. Why wouldn't they get that? Dean can't understand why people don't listen to God. And when you're a believer, a lot of times you don't understand it either. But but we all know from Scripture, God teaches us that there's going to be, going to be those folks that are not going to listen. And he's, I'm going to pull a ding down to you. Why aren't y'all listening? Come on now. What, the bulls? Nats? This guy's, you don't talk about betting. He's hit the trifecta. He's won everyone he's predicted. He's called them all in. He, he, we're about to go seven for seven. You don't need to bet against that, especially when you're dealing with your when you're dealing with your people, when you're dealing with all your animals, get them out of the field. But some don't. But some don't. And you know, that happens all the time. Message of the Lord's heard. Message of the Lord's rejected. Death ensues. It's the way it is and the way it's always going to be. I'm going to tell you this. It's the way it's always going to be. That's why we're supposed to preach to the gospel, to, the, to all of the creature, the creation, the new creation, meaning those who are willing to hear, those who have ears to hear and eyes to see. Even Jesus himself told parables 
so that those who were not hearing would never hear and those who were not seeing would never see. Why? Because because those who hear would understand the parables and they'd take them to heart. And those who see would see and have a, a right perspective on life and they would change the way they were doing. But those who are unwilling to hear, those who are unwilling to act, those who are unwilling to walk constantly, consistently, regularly, unwilling, they're going to be there. They're going to always be there. And I'd say to you, you can't worry about those folks. There's nothing we can do about that. What we got to do is worry about the ones who are listening, the ones who are hearing, the ones whose heart is turning toward God. Help them walk in their faith. Help them grow in their knowledge. Help them see all the good things that God has for them to walk in. And then give them an opportunity to walk by faith and not by sight. That's what we do at Lake Community Church. That's who we are. And uh, that's what we're going to do on a regular basis, one by one, person by person, teaching people to walk by faith and not by sight, and teaching them to chase after and glorify the God who has redeemed them. I pray that will be the case for you, Will. It's been that way for the last two and a half years, going on three, and uh, we have great expectations of the things to come. As you go today, I pray that the Lord will bless you and keep you, that he'll make his face to shine upon you, and that he will give you hope and peace today in Jesus' name.